the new normal, more like the new bormal. You found it, the Japan What Podcast, blowing hot air to the back end of Tokyo. I'm your co-host, Matt Bigelow. And I'm Tom Molesky. We bring you the inner workings of Japan with an outsider's perspective and zero insight. Zero insight guaranteed, my friends. You know, it's always a bit, I'm so used to uh, saying that with the music in the background, that the way we arrange it now, uh, we're doing it in silence. And I'm always a bit like, when do I come in? When do I come in? Yeah. Well, I, I settle that in the post-production, which I do immediately no. after. Yes. And you do an excellent job of it. It's just uh, doing it to dead air is interesting. I know. To- <laughs> it, kind of, it feels like a fake in a way. Yeah, there's more adrenaline when you hear the music. You're like, all right, we're ready to start. Yeah, let's go. I'm in I'm in podcast mode. <laughs> all right. So um, I think we're going to start off this show with uh, a little music uh, from the, the live house scene in Tokyo. Um, we have a great band called Tessamerico. Um, judge for yourself. Something in my mind 
And that was Tessa Merico with the song Landscape. You can find them, if you like, uh, at tessamerico.co.uk. And that's spelled T-E-C-I-M-E-R-I-C-O. Very interesting band. Um, very, uh, and a lot different from a lot of the types of music that we've been playing so far, I think. They're very cinematic. Yeah, and, and avant-garde, but in like the in not in a good way. Because avant-garde is, I think, a very loaded label, and I've criticized it in the past. But it, this one I like. Um, I it's, guess it's a way to say like um, it's very talented, but I think it's shit. <laughs> That's kind of <laughs> not 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 this though. Not, not this, this though. <laughs> That's not that type of avant-garde. Yeah. Well, there's definitely a little bit of shoegaze, I think, in there too. And I guess they also consider um, post-rock. I think. Um, but I don't know that label all that well, but, um, I've actually, they're, they're a great bunch of, uh, men and women, uh, that I've worked with in the past. And, uh, I wrote them, I hadn't talked to them in a, maybe a year. And I was like, Oh, I do, you know, this podcast, do you mind if I play your song? And they're like, of course, go ahead. Oh, absolutely. They were like, so nice about everything. Um, I, yeah. And I worked with struggling, man. Yeah, yeah, true. That's a good point. Um, but I mean, you never know. I mean, there's not every band I've contacted actually consented to playing their music. Um, uh, this band actually, Jerks. The, yeah. <laughs> uh, I played in, uh, I did a show at Livehouse Anga in 2013. And um, the lineup was uh, them, Tess Americo. Uh, the Sen City Sinners, Mickey's band, uh, who we just talked to uh, in a couple of shows back. Uh, Icon Girl Pistols, whose music we've also played. And um, another band called uh, Oh Captain, My Captain, um, which uh, you may know uh, uh, Rashad, uh, who helps organize a lot of shows in Shibuya and also does his own uh, his own hip hop. And he works with a band called Rock and Flow. Uh, they had a kind of a, a pop punk band called Oh Captain, My Captain. And um, th that was the lineup for that show. Um, we've always kind of stayed in touch uh, since then. And um, it's been very good for this show, actually. Oh, Kirk. Great. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, I also wanted to, since I'm already talking about Livehouse Anga, I did want to give just a quick update about uh, the Heart of Chiba, um, uh, what is it, uh, fundraising uh, EP. Uh, album that they've put out. It's a collection of recordings from Livehouse uh, Anga, and I think it's, um, I forget, 17 different uh, bands have participated in this. As of today, um, I don't know if I've mentioned it before, I, it, that's the trials and tribulations of running a podcast, you forget what you say, but they've raised over 50,000 yen so far, and it's still on sale. So check it out on Bandcamp, Camp, uh, Heart of Chiba. All right, do that. Yes. Um, this next song is a song that I recorded back when I was in university in 2005-ish. And oh. it's with the uh, guy that we're going to interview uh, who's oh, living in okay. South Korea on a small island in the Pacific. Mm. Or in the, I guess the not the Pacific, but the, the Yellow Sea or the, okay. the Sea of Korea. I can't remember what it's called. Anyways. Be careful. That's a very heavy, you yeah. know, it's a controversial topic, isn't it? It is. But the Yellow Sea is called the Yellow Sea because okay. of the amount of sand that lands in it from the Gobi Desert. Ah, uh, in China. Yeah, from China to the ocean. Oh, All see. the particulates get caught up in the winds, transported, yeah. and then dumped into the ocean sometimes. And it kind of gave the waters there 
a goldish hue. Okay. From the sailors that were there at the time who didn't understand complex meteorological mm. events mm. to the extent that we do today. And the, instead, they just slowed their ships down. Yeah. They're like, what is this? Gold? <laughs> Yellow gold? <laughs> Some social justice warrior on the on the pirate ship was like, wait a minute. Don't be <laughs> racist just because they're Asians. And then <laughs> they threw them overboard. Yes. They <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, this song is called, uh, J- uh, not Japan, what? That's the name of the podcast. This song is called Truck Thief by a party band I was in in university called The World's Fattest Racehorse. Some people might be able to understand that reference. She took my truck, stole my dreams. Broke my heart and left me without any more gasoline. She's beautiful. Yeah, what more can I say? Yeah, 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 yeah. She took my dog and she got him drunk. She turned my dog to an alcoholic punk. She's beautiful. Yeah, what more can I say? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going crazy. I'm going crazy. Things I do. Yeah. I'm just holding on to that one thing. But I'll be over you. She took my heart. She ran around. She crushed it underneath her foot and she smeared it across the ground. But she's beautiful. Yeah. What more can I say? And I'm going crazy. I'm going crazy thinking about you. Yeah. And I'm just holding on to that one day. But I'll be over you. She took my truck and stole my dreams. She broke my heart and left me without any She's beautiful. What more can I? And that was Truck Thief, sung by Russell, drums by me, and the songs were recently sent to me by the guitarist Ben. There we go. So we're going to be interviewing the singer from yep, this. Yep, yep, yep. I like his voice. I like it a lot. <laughs> yeah, he's also Very, a drummer. Oh, okay. Yeah, we, nice. had, we had that very similar thing going on for a while. For those of you who don't get the reference, what is the name of the, the title of the band about? The World's Fattest Racehorse. I love that name. That's why I'm asking. It was, it's a Simpsons reference. Oh, okay. Nice. Of a, of a, of a, of a, of a, a racehorse called the World's Fattest Racehorse. <laughs> All I could think about, like I don't know, to the the cadence of the song was this giant, uh, this giant horse running, like to the beat of that song. It just seemed to go perfectly. Um, but uh, yeah, I dug that song a lot, actually. Truck thief. 
Yeah. Um, the songs you put out, are they available to listen anywhere else? Well, that's the thing. I, I, could, I guess I could put them up on my website. I used yeah. to post them on some, uh, some places, but I okay. don't know. It's just, it becomes like this giant digital management thing that you have to oh, end sure. up doing. But I guess if I just throw them up on my website under the music title, uh, right. people, I could put them there. We could link it as well, um, just uh, like on the Twitter site as well, if you enjoyed the music from the show. Because I do that with any uh, band that uh, that we uh, whose music we broadcast. I just link it to either uh, Spotify or um, YouTube, their video. So it might be a good idea. Yeah. Uh, I really, yeah, I, I'd rather just put it up on my website. I, I don't like Spotify. And I, I don't okay. usually use well, yeah, YouTube or, as a music source, so... Or, um, yeah, that's what I meant. But um, just some way we could link to it uh, from Twitter. That's all. The CEO of, whoa, mm -hmm. the CEO of, um, of Spotify is worth $2.5 billion. Of course he is. Uh, but <laughs> e each time somebody gets a song of theirs played on Spotify, they get 0. 0.0003 cents. That's a bit much, don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they should be getting less. There should be more zeros. When you're negotiating a contract with Spotify, when they say, how many zeros do you think you're worth? They mean like after the decimal point, not before right, the right. decimal point. There, there you go, right? And think of that poor CEO after, I mean, with all he gives, that's all he gets. Come on now. Yeah. And uh, the model is for musicians to not make money because there's a oh, yeah. band called Wolfpack. It's like a funk yeah, band. Yeah. Sure, uh, they put out a, an album called Sleep and it was just all silence and they asked their fans to play it nonstop so that they could do a free tour. And the, the Wolfpack got about 20,000 us dollars from yeah. this, from this scheme. And then Spotify banned it and said it went against their terms of use. Yeah. Cause, I they, mean, cause five people dared make $20,000 so that they could go on tour from a company worth billions and from a CEO oh yeah. who's a multi-billionaire. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I mean, it's disgusting. It, it is. Uh, I guess I wouldn't have an issue if they just, I don't know the, the finance of it. And I tend to waffle a lot of these topics when it just hit me because I'm like, all right, let me just try and see it from both sides of it. But um, yeah, for, I guess, in the, how can in the I buy another stuff, yacht if I pay you? Right. No, no, I know. And it's like, I'm not actually contributing anything. I'm not making anything. I'm just putting it in a standardized system that everybody can reach. And it's like, is it really worth, should you be making a lion's share of the profit then? No, it, it should be based on the content, but there you have it. That's uh, the modern, you know, that's that post-Marxian. <laughs> I'm a liberal um, billionaire. Vision. Now yeah. don't make money, musicians. I support Remember the arts. Yeah, well, um, I remember the the Black Keys going on Joe Rogan and just bitching him out, like out because uh, they were like, "No, we're not signing any agreement with you," and they had just assumed that uh, the, the the band would just go along with it. And he's like, "No, why? Why would we do that? We already have a fan base. We don't need we don't need to sign into an agreement where we have to play for you and anything we sell outside also goes to you." You know, like. It's crazy. It's a crazy system, but it's like, I guess everyone, it's, everything is so unstable and so insecure that everybody wants, it's all kind of a cash grab right now. Yeah, exactly. And they use scare tactics to get people to sign into it just so they can ensure a little bit of security for themselves. Yeah. That's what the Unabomber was saying. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> can we just instead of Unabomber, can we just say like good old Ted <laughs> good or old something Ted, like that? I know. <laughs> I know. I just like saying Unabomber because it's shocking. I know. I know. I was like, oh god, there he goes with the Unabomber. Um, all right, so I, I've been looking at my analytics here, Tom, uh, for yeah. the website. And there's sure. different analytics charts that we were using. Um, by the okay. way, we got into the top 25 podcasts for the iTunes chart for the Japan really? um, travel section. Wow. Okay. We were only there Fantastic. for like a, a couple of days. But yeah, we've, yeah. we've gotten up in the past five months into the into a, f- a few different categories. And I'm going to refer to this later probably. But yeah, we, yeah, we sure. got into the top 25 there. Um, and then I was looking at my uh, website analytics, and yeah. most of the social media traffic, over 90%, comes from Facebook. Uh, right, but I've right. noticed in the past month or two that the Twitter was used to be at maybe 1% or 2%, and now it's hovering yeah. just under 10% of the social media traffic. And that's, that's probably awesome. because of your recent Twitter strategy. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for that setup too. <laughs> and um, just before that, um, you got to remember that we we haven't even put out twenty five episodes yet. So I'm anything that's kind of reaching like a top chart in a major in iTunes. I'm I'm happy with. Oh yeah, you we know? were in the top tens for a few categories in Malaysia after we had Fuad oh, on when oh, nice. we had um, I can't remember the Indian gentleman's name um, that we had oh, on a couple of months yeah. ago. Uh, right. We got into some charts in India. Um, and oh, we wow. also got into like, there's some different charts and one of the major charts is the society chart. Uh, but it's kind of harder for us to, to rank in there. We were doing it a bit, but it, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's, it comes and goes. So we're, we're socialites. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, we're socialites. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, to get back and I was just looking up that, the guy for that we just had on uh, a few months back, but, um, uh, basically I was looking at kind of uh, setting up a strategy for constantly giving updates, but not like kind of wearing out our welcome and boring people. So um, I'm actually working on the Twitter accounts for um, a band, um, a venue, and the Japan What podcast. And for uh, all of them, I managed to bring up the followers a lot, and as well as the views and the um, uh, retweets, things, all of those. Um, the key thing is to try to find similar um, people that have a similar product or service as your account and start following their their uh, followers in hopes of maybe getting their interest. And um, what I've found is maybe for every – and um, the other thing is you have to have a – kind of a schedule set up where you're constantly giving um, a new tweet with some new information. For example, for uh, the Malice, who, who I work with, I have about... Which is a ro- alternative rock band that we've featured yeah. on the podcast a few times. Right. And thanks. Um, basically, all the media that they've had in the past, all the video links, uh, all their, their social media links... Um, maybe a couple photos from Instagram that were really memorable. Like they have some photos with like Robbie Taycock, uh, Billy Sheen and, uh, Kim Deal. They have some photos like that. Um, you know, uh, reviews, if they had any reviews, if they've been played on the radio, you give them a thank. So I have maybe around 200 of those tweets and you set them up into three or four a day and you keep going through that cycle. 
okay, as well as looking for new followers um, from accounts that are similar to theirs. Now, this is easy. That's a female-led uh, Japanese rock band, indie rock band. It's actually probably better to go with, um, if you're an indie band, to go with other with similar indie bands than um, a mainstream band because you might people might just ignore it. Because mainstream um, bands have a much fiercer following, and they're almost they, yeah they 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 feel like they want to only be close to that band rather than be in the music community. Yeah, and I would think of someone that's a fan of indie music is going to be a lot more open minded to new bands. I think so. There was um actually one that was also it was Japanese, um it was rock, it was. Um, touring the states in the same place Molise was. And uh, this is a band, Brinky. Um, it was uh, the drummer from Shonen Knife's uh, band. And as an example, so basically, if you, uh, based on this model, um, for every hundred followers you had, maybe one in five would follow you back. And then from that, maybe maybe out of that the one in five, maybe 20 out of every 100, out of 100, maybe two or three will start to endorse you, will like your tweets, maybe retweet your, your tweets. And then I would say maybe one out of every 200 will become like an advocate. Will, um, they will start, maybe, for example, they will start posting their own tweets um, with, your, with your account name. Um, and saying this is good music. And then maybe one in every 500 I found is somebody that has their own miniature like media account that they could feature you in. For example, a reaction video. Um, so far, be since I've started doing this, I've had uh, four people contact me or three of them were doing reaction videos and one of them was a college radio station. So it, the, the problem is you have to, one, set up this uh, system of constantly um, posting um, tweets every day, um, looking for similar accounts, following similar accounts, but not following too much, okay? Because if you follow too much, then you get blocked like um, because you're exceeding a certain limit. So if you continually do that and then respond to everyone who follows you back with a message and a link, then you'll start to see some headway, some noticeable headway after a, uh, uh, maybe a month. It's basically like um, leafleting mm -hmm. a, a parking lot full of cars with a Actually, discount yeah. voucher. Right, right. And um, But now imagine each car, you can kind of read what they might be buying. Right, so you got more yeah. insight. A little bit more, a little right. bit more. So you you don't have to go up to the soccer mom and put in a leaflet if it's not related to anything soccer or moms. Right, exactly. Oh, okay, exactly. So you can yeah. yeah, you can find what you're looking for more easily. That's interesting. So yeah, there's more insight. Is that what you're saying? Well, yeah. Um, oh my god, Tom. <laughs> Excuse me, sorry. Forgive me. It's a faux pas. I'll never let it happen again. No, I'm blaming but, this on Twitter, not you. <laughs> but for you, like um, maybe foreign, look at some um, foreign bands in Japan and it more towards the rock side. Um, start looking at the followers for those people and start following them. That would be a good move. That's like, an interesting point. 
Yeah, yeah. You can do it. You can just kind of like randomly just take any account and start following followers, but that probably won't get you very far. You got to find the right followers to follow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or And I um, guess if you're kind of targeting a band with their followers, if you yeah. keep going back to that uh, band's um, yeah. uh, Twitter, you're going to yeah. see which people are retweeting and liking and commenting on that band's Twitter feed more than others. Yeah, so that's you, true So you too. can maybe find yeah. active users within yeah. a band's follow list. Yeah, yeah. Um I know this sometimes might even sound a little like, oh, I don't know. Am I stealing? You're not stealing anybody's followers, number one. All you're doing is uh, reaching out and connecting with them. And that's a very normal strategy for everyone. Um, there was one other account I found that was called uh, J Music uh, Indie, I think. It was just indie. It was a, a fan um, Twitter account for indie bands in Japan. And that was a gold mine. Interesting. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's, uh, I mean, if you're, if you have the discipline to kind of set up a schedule for, think about it, think of everybody that's um, given an article to you or taken a video of your, or your band, your music videos, if you can be disciplined enough to kind of set them up and set up a schedule, then you're already, you're more than halfway there. Yep. And it, people are always just wasting time on social media anyways. This just means that you're um, doing something with that time instead of just scrolling with your fingers. Yeah. Some people just don't know you, that you kind of need to present a structure to them. And then once, you know, then they'll get the hang of it and then they'll understand and take it wherever. But um, sometimes it's just hard to find the first step of where to go. All right. Yeah. Um, before we get into the uh, call-in guest here, I just yep. want to say something. To anybody yeah. listening, um, please retweet us or like us or follow us and give us a comment. Give us five stars. We are an English-based podcast in Japan, which mm -hmm. means that we are always fighting against the algorithms because the algorithms here are trained on corporate Japanese accounts more so than anything due to the nature of Japan. So anything that the listeners can do to leave a comment and we're getting on a lot of RSS feeds these days. So it doesn't matter where you're listening to this, if it's on Stitcher, uh, iTunes, um, or some sort of rogue Russian account, just, um, <laughs> you know, po post a link somewhere and it just, or, or comment, get us some comments. It really helps. As always, we thank you for your support. Okay. Well, my friend Russ, who was on the song we just listened to, has just yeah. released a new uh, EP with a new band he is working with. Uh, okay. Why don't we go to him to see what he's saying? Sounds fantastic. Oh, right now, Russell and Mr. Shu are joining us from the band Banana Moon from South Korea, the beautiful little island of Jeju. Welcome to the show. Thank you for being on. Thanks, man. All right, we got four people and we're all remote, so we got to try not to talk over each other. Okay. <laughs> Which is fine. It's, it's understandable. Uh, so what what is Banana Moon and what do you guys do? Well... You, <laughs> Banana Moon is um, like you said, it's a rock band out of Jeju, a little island called Jeju in South Korea. Um, making music for about two years. Yeah, yeah, about two years. 
I'm, I'm, I'm relatively new to the group. I'm, I'm the drummer in the group, but I've been playing for about maybe one year. One year. Yeah, about one year I've been playing with these guys. Does and your music uh, uh, sound hmm. anything like the world's fattest racehorse? <laughs> is it, it, it's a bit different than the world's fattest racehorse. <laughs> uh, I was a fan. I'm a fan. That's all. Oh, that's great. Yeah. This, of course, was the band I played in with Matt in university. We were just listening to a song on the show, uh, uh, The Truck Thief, I believe. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we were just listening to it, too. It's a, it's a real trip down memory lane, that's for sure. And so you guys released an album under Banana Moon. That's right, yeah. Uh, just an EP, five songs. And you guys are a dad band. I assume that means uh, it's an acronym for death and destruction. <laughs> I wish. No, we're all, we're, we're, we're literally dads. Everyone in the band has, uh, has, uh, has procreated and we're all dads. <laughs> you started the next generation of music. That's fine. That's great. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's how we look at it for sure. <laughs> Well, what is the um, the let's say the the indie music scene in um, in the area? Sorry, can you tell me uh, the island is called one more time? Jeju. Jeju. Sorry, what is mm -hmm. the uh, indie music scene like in Jeju? Is there a, a club scene? Is there a lot of places, a lot of venues to play? Well, no. Jeju is a small town, and uh, so there's there's a couple bars that play live music, and uh, but you know there's not really much of a music scene. There is a tourist scene. So there is festivals and things that happen around the island. There's a lot of tourism that, that comes, uh, a lot of tourists that come to the island. So there is, there is a sort of culture built around that. But uh, as, as for an indie music scene, there's uh, not, 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 not very much. How many opportunities do you have to play? Well, we, we do a few shows here and there at the bars around town. Okay. Um, we, we we did just get an invite to play in Seoul. Oh, great. At the end of the month. So um, opening for a band called Crux. What are they called? Crux. Crux and mm -hmm. Black Syndrome. Mm -hmm. So these are sort of old metal metal bands from Seoul. And uh, so they were looking for an opening act. Very nice. Okay. And um, uh, have you, outside of Jeju, have you played much in Korea? Have you played a lot of music? Uh, I just don't know your history, your musical history in Korea. Mm, well, I've been, I've been playing quite a bit of music here in Jeju. Je Jeju's got a small music scene, but it's a, mm -hmm. it's a passionate one, you know, and I'm being a, being a, a, a foreigner yeah. living in, in Jeju. There's certainly, um, uh, the, there's certainly some good players out here who love to play music. So yeah, I've been playing a bit of music. I've been in probably, I would say at least five or six different projects. Oh, wow. Uh, music projects here in Jeju. I see. Okay. Over, over the years. Have you ever made it over to Japan? Um, I, I, I did play music with Matt one time. I, I, I came to Japan to visit Tokyo and I visited Matt and we, we ended up playing, uh, Playing some songs from the world's fattest racehorse mm -hmm. at a, at a at small a, club in Japan. In Shimokitazawa. Mm. Oh, right. Okay. And what did you think? What was your impression of the scene there? When I came to visit Matt in in, in Tokyo, my, my 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 main goal was to go see some of the music that was happening in Tokyo. Mm. And 
of course I was blown away, you know, coming from a little town like Jeju yeah. into, you know, a, a real musical hub like Tokyo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, I thought it was quite amazing. Mm. How about in Seoul? I mean, will this upcoming show be your first time playing there? Yeah, yeah, this will be our first our first show off the island. Okay. Um, is it is the system in Korea similar to Japan, where if you're playing those kind of um, professional stages, uh, it's um, what is it? They uh, require you to sell tickets or pay an upfront fee. Um, I'm, I'm not sure. You know, we, to be honest, we just got the news about this. Okay. Um, literally this morning. So. Oh wow. I'm okay. Not sure, I'm not sure how it's going to work. You better get a lawyer. <laughs> I think that's a good idea, man. <laughs> um, just moving uh, off of the music topic of music, you guys are a tourist mm. island. How has COVID been affecting you there? The coronavirus. Well, you know, what do you question. call it? What do we call COVID? Yeah. Um, I think I think the Korean word for it is the same as everywhere else. <laughs> But uh, no, it, it was a bit scary at the beginning. But you know, right now, there's I think they reported zero cases on the island right now. It's, they they really shut everything down at the airport, and I think it really slowed down anything happening here. Of course, there's no tourists here either, but uh, we're sitting pretty safely right now. So it's just kind of life as normal in Jeju. Uh, well, you know, it still kind of feels like the house is on fire, but uh, yeah, pretty much, you know, businesses are running. And, you know, we're even talking about putting another concert up pretty soon. So, yeah, I think we're, we're on the way out. Have you been working from home? Um, no, no, I've been working. I've been working at my at my school. Oh, OK. Even the yeah. schools are open. Wow. OK. Yeah, we're still uh, we're still on all lockdown. Most of us are teaching like online courses and uh, to get by. Yeah. Um, can you guys hold on for just just one sec? Sure. I'm sorry. My, my Shu, how are you? Take over. Okay. <laughs> so Shu, um, I, I was listening to the album by uh, Banana Moon, and I noticed that yeah. there's a lot of different musical styles on it. One of them sounds like an Irish drinking song. One of them sounds like a psychedelic rock song from the 1970s that you would hear in the jungles of Cambodia. Um, what, what, how did you get involved in writing uh, songs like rock songs? And, uh, you know, you're taking different styles that kind of most people who come from the West would either choose uh, Irish style of music or a psychedelic music, but wouldn't do both. So what, I, what kind yeah, of influence? I, yeah, I, I, you know, every member of Banana Moon has a different spectrum of music. So mm. I want to incorporate that uh, style in one band. And uh, I think that every song should be different in some ways to impress people. That's why we play the different songs all the time. We try to make the, the new style of songs. Oh, that's great. How did the audience respond to having so many different like genres of music in one set? Uh, mainly the older people like the blue style. Mm -hmm. And yeah. uh, the young people like the modern rock or alternative rock style. Ah. Some people like the folk music, like the 
Irish folk music. Yeah. So this is a good marketing move as well. It increases your audience. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Um, how busy are you now, like raising a family? And I assume also, are you working? Do you work full time as a musician or is it you have a is this a kind of a side hobby or side project? It's uh, like a side project. I, we all have uh, the main jobs. Here. Mm. Now, does everyone, because everyone has so many other commitments, how hard is it to like schedule times for rehearsal and things like that? It's very difficult <laughs> to set up the schedule, yeah, because we are uh, dads. <laughs> I, I totally, yeah, I have friends that are in this situation and they're always like, oh, we never can schedule rehearsals. Yeah, yeah. but we try to make uh, every uh, one time for every week. Uh, how, like, are, are you, do you all live like fairly close to each other? Cause I know that's a big barrier when like, uh, in Tokyo, if you're living on the other side of, of Tokyo, it can be like hours away and it's hard to centralize to find a good rehearsal point. Is that a problem for you? Um, it is, it is for our singer. He lives in a, a small town on the South end of the Island. So he has he has to commute, but uh, the rest of us live pretty close to uh, pretty close to where we practice. Oh, okay, awesome. Do you guys and, practice um, in a yeah. studio, or do you guys um, jam out in a garage or something like that? Because you guys are in the middle of this island in in the ocean. Um, actually, we're pretty lucky. We've got you know, Shu's job has a little music studio in it, so um, there's a little uh, not a studio, but like a a music practice room that's all set up, you know, and it's all got acoustics and drums and amps and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, we got really lucky with the jam space. It's perfect. That sounds great. It's almost like it was meant to happen. It that's, was that's, destined. That's what I thought when I joined the band. I was like, this is great. I don't, I, there's a drum set waiting for me. This is great. And the day of the first rehearsal, the moon turned a banana yellow. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, wonderful. Um, so uh, what is your hopes for the band? Let's say uh, maybe for this show coming up uh, in Seoul, do you hope to maybe get a, a more, um, more shows in bigger cities, uh, perhaps even a city tour or something like that? Well, uh, you know that's a good question. I think we're kind of, kind of seeing where it's gonna, seeing where this road takes us. You know, I think we finished the album. We had fun making it. You know, it's getting a good response from people. So yeah, we'll play festivals, of course, and see where it goes. I know my wife is hoping we don't get too too popular, but uh, yeah, right. <laughs> it's a double edged sword, isn't it? <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, yeah, no, we're we're hoping to, to get out and play a lot. You know, we just love playing, so it's a it's a great opportunity. To My just... goal is uh, we are going to Glastonbury or Supersonic <laughs> Festival. <laughs> you guys are right. shooting for the moon. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. And um, sorry. Oh shoot. How about just uh, we always ask this, and we talk a lot about it. How about how do you promote online? Uh, you know, we we're. Still figuring that out. You know, we have oh, a, really. <laughs> we have a Facebook page and things like that. And um, you know, I think living in Jeju, it's a pretty small scene. So if there's a show, 
uh, it's not hard to spread the word around. That's for sure. So we we it's not posters and stuff like that. It's more word of mouth. And so the show Facebook invitation. Yeah. Our singer has a yeah. good connection with the musicians in Korea, so oh. we try to make to promote to, through the human connections. Okay, so it's all word of mouth, that, and that's how maybe you got the show in Seoul. Mm, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, fantastic. So, uh, yeah, just think uh, if you can do this well with no social media, imagine once you get on social media, I mean, you're going to own the world. Yeah, we, we gotta, we, we've got a Facebook page, and, you know, maybe we can make a website or something. I'm not sure. You know, we're, we're kind of feeling our way into this. All right. What type of we'll social see. media is popular in South Korea? Um, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's one called Cow Cow Talk. Yeah. Heard of it? That's Chinese, yeah, that's, isn't it? I'm not sure, to be honest. No, it's Korea. Oh, it's it? Korea. I'm okay, sorry. Korean, Korean. Yeah, and this <laughs> How is dare you? Yeah. This is the main, the main one, that's for sure. What was no, the name Facebook of it again? Facebook and Instagram is famous here. Oh, sorry. Could uh, I actually missed the name of that uh, that social media site? Could you say that one more time? Facebook and Instagram is famous here. Okay, and the Korean one? What is that? Oh, um, Kakao Po. Kakao. Kakao Po. Okay. Kakao. Yeah. I'm guy. <laughs> All right. Um, so, where can people find your music? Um, well, we 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 did a we did a release with CD Baby, and we've got it on uh, YouTube and Spotify and uh, iTunes and um, a bunch of other streaming streaming sites. And um, yeah, we're going to do a Korean release in a couple weeks, maybe one more week. Fantastic. All right, we're going to um, wrap up here, Russell and Shu. Thanks mm. for coming on. We're going to play Lizard King on the other side of this interview. Thank you. Sounds great. Best of luck with everything, and uh, I hope you knock, you, I hope you wipe the stage with everyone in Seoul. <laughs> Sounds good, buddy. All right, guys, thanks a lot for coming on. Take her easy and uh, catch up with you soon. Absolutely. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Bye.
All right. And that was Banana Moon with the Lizard King, kind of giving us a, what you would call it, a, a psychedelic flair. Yeah, a little bit of a 70s sound. If, but they do cover all genres. Uh, they said so themselves. So a little modern pop, a little Irish drinking music, a little blues. Uh, I think there's some, something for everyone in their band. Definitely. Yeah, the, the uh, connection was a bit rough there. Sorry, guys, if uh, if it didn't come out too smooth. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's all part of the game, right? It is what it is. It is what it is. This is interesting, though. Now, um, let's see. We've played uh, Japanese bands. We've played um, Canadian bands. We've played American bands, uh, Malaysian bands, now South Korean bands. Oh, and Indian bands. Uh, and um, uh, speaking of which, it was uh, Utgarsh. That was uh, the guy's name. Utkarsh, of course. Uh, yes. Shout out to Utkarsh. We love Utkarsh. Shout out okay. to Russell Rylander as well from Banana Moon. The uh, first time I heard that song, I was like, that's yeah, okay. Then I heard yeah. it again. I was like, oh, wait, I kind of like it. And then I listened yeah. to it three or four more times. And it, I like settling into that style of music. I'm a big fan of uh, 70s psychedelic rock. And it yeah, usually yeah. takes a few listens to get into it, which is and for me, a large part of its appeal. There's a lot of return value on the yeah. on the tunes. Reminded me a little like a like a traffic or something like that, with the keyboard sounds. Did you know that there was a massive psychedelic rock boom in Cambodia in the 1970s? No way. Oh, it's a, there's some great albums out there compiling it because all of the GIs yeah, would yeah. would would go over there to play or whatever it's called shore leave or something like that yeah and they would sure. bring their records with them and leave them there and then all of the uh, locals yeah. would listen to them over and over again and then make their own psychedelic rock music so if you um, google or youtube or whatever it is like cambodian psych out rock music yeah, yeah. you can find some wicked jams it's funny how music how, how darwinian music is you know what I mean? Like how that influence spreads. And then once it's been left, even though the original provider leaves, it kind of becomes its own new species, a hybridized species of sound combined and flourishing within that area. And so much so sometimes it's not recognizable when the original people come back to listen to it. No kidding. Yeah. Uh, it, it, music really is It's interesting to watch it grow and evolve. Mm. And um, it originally has a geographic footprint, but then if it expands, it doesn't. So we kind of think of grunge being a Seattle thing, but then yeah, sure, uh, it get, ends up being very popular in towns of, in Australia and Darwin twenty five years later. Yeah, and it it lasts longer. Like um, heavy metal, I think uh, a lot. Um, a lot of bands that were really big in the eighties now still tour, but they tour either in, um, what is it? Uh, Eastern Europe, uh, the Slavic countries or actually South America too. They have, they haven't, they, that's where the appeal is. Even Vietnam, I think has a great, uh, rock scene. Yep. And for, I think for a while there, country music was really popular in Africa. Real, that I didn't know. Because oh, it's all about, you know, having to move on and overcoming hardships and you're living a simple life, but you're trying to be a life. good person. And then you have to go and shoot an elephant. 
Well, I remember the one uh, searching for Sugarman with Rodriguez. That was a great. Uh, I know it wasn't completely factual, but it was an interesting idea of a uh, a singer who who was very good but couldn't get any like momentum in uh, in the states in the seventies, but then just made its way over to Africa and blew up. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. So uh, I was harassed by an artificial intelligence program. Again, again, <laughs> and this is what becoming happened? this is becoming really strange. Mm -hmm. um, so, I, I I was on Twitter and I follow this guy. He's a popular columnist and podcaster, John C. Dvorak. Okay, um, and he posted up on his Twitter um, something about two news articles about people going to the beach, but one news article was uh, a Florida news article and the other news uh, yes. article was a Los Angeles news article. Right. But yeah. they were using the same picture. Right. In, right. In the Twitter feed. Mm -hmm. And yeah. then the, the person commenting was saying, you know, it would be really helpful if the news didn't use the same picture or why are the same people in Florida going to the beach? Yeah. The same. And it was one of those things. And right. uh, I took a screenshot of it and posted it into Facebook from Twitter to Facebook. Yep. And then almost immediately Facebook said it was fake news. Wow. Well, it was, um, it, there was a, it was disproved or something like that. And there was a, there was a link to something that saying it wasn't true. I, I didn't follow it. So. Okay. There's so there, the, the social networks are so paranoid about fake news about COVID right now. I don't know why it's oh, okay. really creepy. Oh, I know why. Cause they're all invested in, in pharmaceutical health industries. That's why. <laughs> And mm, so, yeah, yeah. Um, basically, what happened was there's yeah. this there's this group called Politifact, run by the Pointer yeah. Institute, okay, mm -hmm. and they are in charge of deciding what is fake news and what is not fake news. Okay. So, Politifact says actually this is fake news because if you go to the website of the each individual um, newspaper, the one from Florida and the one from Los Angeles, it will okay. the, the picture will be different. Oh, so they're right. using different pictures on the website, but yeah. social media will use algorithms to input different headlines or different pictures into the feed. Really? Because it, okay. of appropriacy, but also uh -huh. because of image size ah, and resolution. Right. So there might have been like an open picture of a, a bunch of people walking on the beach and the, mm -hmm. be in the, in the picture might be Americans, beach, uh, walking. And there might be some taglines in it. And then yeah. this the the AI that chooses yeah. the picture for the Twitter feeds or the social media feeds will use that image. Okay. But when you go to the websites, it will be a different image. So not the original publishers, at least. It's that's right. Like, okay. So then the AI will say yeah. that's fake news. And this is what PolitiFact says. So at oh, the well, I clicked on the reason why. So it says Facebook says this is fake news, and you scroll okay. to the bottom of the image, and you can click on a link telling you why it's fake news. Um, mm -hmm. And the, it takes you to a page called Politifact, run by a group called the Pointer Institute, and it okay. has all of this crazy information that's factual but not really useful. Like the photograph, the original photograph was taken on ten forty four a.m. at the thirteenth of August of twenty nineteen, and then it, it's true, but it's not useful. And okay. then at the very bottom of the PolitiFact uh, Pointer Institute website mm -hmm. that links to this uh, reason why it's fake news, yeah. this is what PolitiFact says. 
sometimes when a link to a news story is shared on Facebook, mm -hmm. the platform erroneously uses another image from that web page as the share image. So it, Facebook was denying it because of Facebook. That's right. And <laughs> and listen to this. This is the this is the reason Politifact yeah. is saying it's fake news. Mm. Yeah. It says, fact checked false. A website glitch mm. is fueling a conspiracy theory about coronavirus coverage. Mm. Yeah, so, yeah. A, a, it's real, but it's fake because yeah. because it, something checked it and said it was fake because it was fake, but it was real. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, the and um, the original headline was just why uh, to the the Twitter uh, from Dvorak, right? It was just like, why is it the same? Right. So is it? It's not false. It's just not completely one hundred percent about the original sources. Right. But he was just asking. He wasn't. He wasn't saying there's something going on. Right. So, hmm. but what is the conspiracy theory, and what? Why can't yeah. we have a conspiracy theory? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What is wrong with having a cuz there's the same image, it's there, but the glitch a glitch is a error, a, a coding error. So how can a glitch fuel a conspiracy theory? That's fake. Yeah, yeah, there you go. That um me thinks Facebook doth protest too much. <laughs> but check this out. Okay. I told you that this Politifact was run by the Pointer Institute. So I checked out the Pointer Institute and they're fake. Oh, God. Listen to this. This is from their Wikipedia. In 2019, Pointer used various fake news databases uh, uh -huh. uh, from uh, uh, Annenberg Public Policy Center, Memorak, and Snopes uh, uh -huh. to compile a list of over 515 news websites that it labeled as unreliable. Pointer called on advertisers to blacklist the sites on the list. Oh, wow. The list included conservative news websites such as the Washington Examiner, the Washington Free Beacon, and the Daily Signal. After backlash, Pointer retracted the list, citing, quote, weaknesses in the methodology, unquote. Pointer mm. issued a statement saying, quote, we regret that we failed to ensure that the data was rigorous before publication and apologize for the confusion and agitation caused by its publication, end quote. So after the addendum saying that um, there's fueling a conspiracy theory, could you add something saying we're actually denying a conspiracy, thereby starting another conspiracy theory? Exactly. <laughs> so it's so meta. Yeah, it really is. It's, um, and I know the reason why this this yeah. automation tr thing happened because what I'm what I'm assuming is that the AI program that put in the in the, the same picture into different news feeds yeah was using labels like i mentioned this yeah, right, this right. is a beach americans walking boom boom yeah um right. it didn't say florida and los angeles but the website the, the ai that checked uh, for the fake image is using pixel yeah yeah so, so once it, the image is labeled as fake and put into a pixel recognition that mm -hmm. pixel recognition is turned into code Right, right. And so when I put up the picture, it was able to match the the pixelation of what I published to the code labeling it as fake news and automatically sent it down the memory hole. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Even though someone just looking at it could see 
exactly what the story was, you still can't magically transfer that to code the way a, a human brain would process it. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. So yeah. weird. Uh-huh. So sorry. It's so weird. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I the, the you whole cut off. I'm like oh, the whole the whole reason. Us. The yeah. the website glitch is fueling a conspiracy theory. Yeah. So yeah. that's why I can't share the image. Right. On social, right. like social media is not supposed to be news. We're supposed to be able to go there and say, "Hey, what is this?" And then we have a discussion about it. It's yeah, not supposed but, to be there so some 23-year-old coder from Silicon Valley can snoop in and, 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 and label me as some sort of fake news distributor. Well, I did see – I mean it, it, the, the news, you, you, you did spread it and it was visible to everyone because I saw that. Um, I saw the, um, the disclaimer underneath it but – I think by nowadays people are starting to take all of that with a real grain of salt. I don't think so. I think no, some think people so? are. The Karens okay. of the world love seeing that. They go, ha, you're stupid. You're spreading fake news. I can't trust you anymore. Is that what happened? They, I mean, is that... they love it. Oh, okay. Got it. Well, um, shoot, what was I going to say? Uh, the, I guess those are the same people that are taking it as news in the first place, though. Yeah, it's the super literal people of the world that don't have any imagination or sense of humor. Yeah, but they're the people that should know that you shouldn't be counting on this for news anyway. I agree. Yeah. Um, and they yeah. don't look into it either. No, they they no, just kind of, but... they say, hey, this is fake news, by the way. Yeah, it, it, everybody, a lot of these people are are looking for reasons to just like disregard someone completely and it could be the smallest thing as well you know what i mean like and i think and they won't they won't think twice about it unless it happens to them i think it's also a bullying schematic where people will second guess themselves and not share um news that they think is or or ideas that they think um are worthy to talk about but not official yeah it's a good and it's like how dare you you non-official person talking about something non-official well, let me ask this though. Okay. So they added that. Did anything else happen? Oh, no. Wasn't anything like you were banned or anything like no, that? No, no, no. Nothing like okay. that. Nothing like that. It is a little bit, but is if you can nowadays go into it and say, all right, you know, I think now, I think part of it was a little bit of the shock of getting labeled as um, the, uh, like uh, fueling conspiracy. But knowing it the next time around, if you're just like, eh, whatever, okay. But um, most people don't even – they think that now I'm like a, a some sort of um, anti-vaxxer Trump supporter. I think there's so many people on social you'd have media. More followers if you did that. Huh? <laughs> I said you'd have more followers then. <laughs> I'm too moderate. <laughs> but being know, a total I, weirdo. That's a problem. You're <laughs> – you're too open. That's all. Yeah. I'm a weirdo moderate. You need to be more polarizing. That's uh, you know what the thing is. Well, what I've actually um, kind of found surrounding you is a lot of people want to kind of push you to the other side and say, "Oh, he's on that side more yeah. than anything else." Um, and you know, I know because I do the show with you that you're not. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I take the time to research things and just come up with ideas about them. And yeah. uh, I'm not an American. So when people right. say like, oh, why don't you go listen to Fox News, you fake newser? I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah, you just right. told me so much about yourself right now. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, the world isn't as tribal as you, you know? Yeah. I was actually just watching, uh, listening to Joe Rogan and... um. Uh, they were just saying about, you know, the COVID-19 response. And in Italy, it's like, why is everyone at each other's throats so much? And it's like, well, we've just gotten that tribal. We've gotten that polarized, you know, and everyone is like, how do you, how can you like survive if your families are two different political parties, you know? And um, yeah, the rest of the world is kind of looking at us and scratching their head. Well, social media is designed to put people into um, digital ghettos. Little bit, yeah. If you let it, though. If you, you let it, I mean, I don't let it. That's the big part of it that we should never be this dependent on it anyway. Well, I mean, yeah, I know this is a backing, taking a few big steps back, but um, maybe this is on us. Maybe this is the 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 lesson that we should be taking from this is we shouldn't be counting on this uh, as anything. We shouldn't be taking it as seriously as we do. I think. Yeah, people are just using this. Anything you post is to be used as evidence against you. Yeah. Like everybody's um, a school marm, you know? Yeah, um, I get it. I, I, I know what you're saying. Um, I guess I take my mom's advice. Well, if they're, if they're disregarding me or scorning me, then they weren't very good friends anyway. You don't need them. That's how I view it, to be honest. I really do. Yeah, yeah. And... You have to kind of go in every time thinking that way, I think, when you're posting. And I'm not trying to convince anybody of anything either. So everything yeah. about, that I looked up about PolitiFact and the, and the glitch and everything, I just, I researched it based on my knowledge of, of AI, mm -hmm. which I consider myself a, a, like an amateur, those amateur astronomers that find the, the, sure. the, the satellites in space. You know, right. I consider myself one of those types, but with AI. So I just look at the yeah. data and I present the data. I'm very data driven when it comes to this type of thing. I'm not emotional yeah, at all. No. So you were I asking, agree, yeah. you wanted to talk about how to find uh -huh. those news sources. Yeah, actually, I want I was kind of curious um, because it's hard to find a very, uh, I think, impossible to find a nonpartisan news source. So. I, maybe the best way of doing it and he, kind of hedging your bets is to find a good balance of uh, news sources from both sides or all sides. I don't... It's not even that. Um, yeah. Uh, I transcribed a speech by Julian Assange, the founder of yeah. WikiLeaks, a few mm -hmm. years ago when he uh, made an announcement about AI. And yep. then I took some of the key vocabulary that I wasn't familiar with and yep. started researching AI based on those terms. One of those terms was um, surveillance capitalism, okay, which yeah. got me some really good results. But mm -hmm. another result that I found was a combination of vocabulary called lateral data streams. Lateral data streams, okay. So not vertical, or sorry, lateral information flows. Okay. Not vertical. So every news, every website is a vertical flow mm -hmm. and they're trying yeah. to keep you there. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, but when you go lateral, you're going, yeah. like you said, it's not about across news sources. It's yeah. across information flows. 
And okay. what I mean by that is the way the articles of journalism are written, because I studied yeah. journalism and I've done it, I know what it is. You have yep. the lead and that's to catch the person's attention. And these days it's all political. And yep. then there's the nut. And then there's like, you go down a few paragraphs and you get to an mm -hmm. expert. Ah, uh, yeah. And then you take, I take that expert and I copy and paste their name into LinkedIn. Ah, uh, okay. And I see their history. And uh -huh. I, then I look at some of the projects they've been involved in. Mm -hmm. And then I look at those projects and I find papers that have been published. Mm, yeah. And then I look for images and diagrams oh. and stats. And then oh, I wow. put some of those ideas into YouTube. And then I get some YouTube videos, not based like a reaction video or something like that, but some, some sort of uh, pub, uh, researcher publishing their findings in a video format onto YouTube. It's usually like I two see. minutes long. And then you can take that and also look up a product affiliated with that and see how that research is then inputted into a product. So you kind of, mm. it's like rabbit holing, I guess you oh, can God, say. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. Um, I could take like a day just for an article, I think. But it's it's really interesting. It actually, it's actually very fast because you're not okay. reading an article. You're looking yeah. for names, numbers, okay. company names, and you just copy yep. and paste those into a few different fields and you can begin to amalgamate the data. And suddenly, instead of having people's opinions in your mm. mind, you have names, dates, okay. data, numbers, yeah. uh, papers, publications, reason for the publications, co-authors. Yeah. And then you can see what's going on behind the scenes that way. That's how I research. I see. And what is the, where is the first go-to? Does it matter if you're, if you're going through this process, does it matter where you get the original news source? Doesn't matter. Every okay. news source gets all of their information from the same place. Then they shoehorn their bias into that. I see. They, then they put the agenda in. So I, uh -huh. there was a, when I was working for the telecom company, uh, sure. they, they have a robotics division as well. Yeah. And uh, some sort of new product for the, one of their new robots was released. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that every news article had the same five or six data points, but with different mm. biases. Wow. So the feminist was writing about how the robot is sexist, but with the same okay. data points. And really? then, then huh. the, the robot blog was writing about the, how cool this robot is with the same data points. Mm, and then okay. the, 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 the standard tech release from a, from a international newspaper would just yeah. write about it from very technically. And then in a podcast, uh -huh. somebody might sit, talk about what this, pro, what this new robot can do with the yeah. same data points. So there's a, there's data points get released into the system. And then based on how people bias themselves or search for their bias agreement, mm -hmm. they then get that, those websites and that information yeah. But the data points within those are always the same. So it doesn't um, matter where you go or what you do. It could be So you always kind it, of distill it to the the real information. Well, for me, the the news article is garbage and it's it's yeah. the first page. It's the first it's the first access point to information that I find beyond that. Okay. Cuz it's called yeah. lateral information flows. Yeah, yeah. And that's mm. the way that these um that's the way that's the way AI works to find a whole bunch of websites. It doesn't mm -hmm. give you yeah. one website and then you choose the website you want. But with Google and other websites focusing on ephemeral experiences, which means untraceable, they're now yeah. trying to influence your psychology through um, uh, mapping your your psychological background. Oh wow! So you're basically getting targeted. Yeah, yeah.
So to remove the target, you use the lateral information flow. Hmm. You've, you've sold me. I'm going to, I'm definitely going to look at every article I read with a little bit more, a little more skepticism. Yeah. You can yeah. skip the first three paragraphs and just look mm -hmm. for look, business names, company names, yeah. product names, some data, so like 25% increase of whatever. And then you copy and paste that. Okay. That's how I do it. It does take a bit longer, but then I'm yeah. not just being shoehorned bias. Because mm -hmm. everybody is getting yeah. so much AI, algorithmically driven, psychologically mapped biases shoehorned into their brains every day in order to create experiences that instead of giving people real information, it gives them hyper emotive response patterns. To be really simple, it makes them think like they're the good guys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And everyone else is the bad guy kind of thing. Yeah. You get yeah. your information from there. Well, I get my information from here. Yeah. They get those two places, get their information from the same place. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, um, let me ask you when, um, now from now, would you, instead of, uh, just like, uh, reposting an article, will you post more sources to go along with it to kind of show that you're not just trying to push your agenda? Well, uh, I don't really have an agenda. Usually when I post yeah, something, no, I it's, it's yeah. because uh, there's some sort of content inside of the article that I think is interesting. And yeah, I might right. come back to it personally later because it's so hard to keep track yeah. of interesting things you find on the internet these days. Well, I think if you, if you had put, um, I don't know if it's worth your time too. That's the other thing. But um, if you do post more sources with it, it's a lot harder for people to just write you off. Well, I don't really care if people write me off so much anymore. Um, yeah. it, it's not really, I don't, I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a normie. So all of these mm -hmm. people that are writing me off, they, yeah. you know, they, they're people that I'm not sure I want their energy around me anyways. Okay. But I do try to avoid, uh, posting polarizing, um, things because it just then wastes my time. And then, sure, sure. you know, there's, People are just so willing to to label somebody as an alt-right Nazi sympathizer. Yeah, yeah. But then that could have really serious effects on, on my life. Right, right, yeah. So yeah. I'm very careful not to post mm -hmm. sources from polarizing oh, news I got you. Yeah, that's true too, though. Yeah. But if I do find it from a polarizing news site, because for me, like people will say, oh, Fox News leads to conspiracy theories. Well, Fox News is just a channel on TV, bro. Yeah. It's a source of it's, conspiracy theory. So <laughs> if I, if I, I don't, I'd never go to Fox News, by the way. But yeah. uh, if I find a, a controversial speaker, Sorry, if I find something controversial, sorry, if I find some information from a controversial site, I'll do what I said yeah. before and I'll input right. that person's name into a different search engine and find something else they've done from a mm -hmm. neutral point of view and then right. post yeah. that link into, into Facebook. You've heard it here first. <laughs> so whenever a story, yeah, when you see a story, just remember uh, – it's only the first, uh, after the first three paragraphs that the real information comes out. And vertical means they want mm. to keep you there. Right, yeah. So they're trying to keep you there. Like Wikipedia yeah. wants to keep you in Wikipedia. Mm, yeah. And Fox News wants to keep you in Fox News. CNN wants to keep you in CNN.
So they're trying yeah. to keep you in there with those vertical information streams. But by using lateral information streams, you're basically yeah. collecting um, uh, data points. Board, yeah. yeah, data points across the board. Yeah. Yeah. And avoiding the bias altogether. I have to say, I've really changed the way I take news in since doing this podcast. It's really important that we do. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, it's very, I've become much more of a skeptic. And I haven't like uh, fought with anyone, but I've gotten a little bit, even with, uh, with family, they're like, well, you're obvi you're part of this agenda. I'm like, actually, I don't. I don't want to say I'm a part of any agenda. I just want to make sure I'll play devil's advocate just to be sure, you know, it's never going to be as, as cut and clean as, um, as we think it is by reading that article. There's always going to be gray areas in all of it. And just make sure you pay attention to those. It's kind of culty in a way. Uh, yeah. Hey, why um, are you reading I, that article? Sometimes I think it's just laziness more than anything too. It's, it's, everybody wants to be able to be in the, um, the higher moral position, like to be able to kind of say I'm on the I'm on the side of the right, not the political right, but the the correct. Like I'm the one that's thinking more about other people. It's kind of a self confirmation that you're a good person. It's pretty low resolution as well. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I agree. I agree with that, but it's. I think it's easy, and I think these days you don't have much time to think about it um, with everything going on. So um, this is how people live with themselves more, I think. Could so, be. Anyways, yeah. that's what I yeah. do. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, everyone, just yeah, go with that lateral information flow. Um, it's not my idea. It's Julian yeah, yeah. Assange, and I think he knows something about the news. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's another thing. Be I, like Julian Assange. Wait, no, wait. No way. Not, yeah. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> but he does know about acquiring information from from yeah. various points, and it's about more about the people that you get the information from, not not the news source, right? Yeah. So I always look for the person that's at the top of some sort of pyramid, but the a pyramid, you know, is a is a shape of three sides, and then the top is the top. Yeah. But if the person at the top of that pyramid has access to more information, that person is acting as a as a as a vector connecting one triangle to another triangle. Ah, uh, the conduit. Yeah. Like yeah. That. Okay. A conduit. So when that person, when you cross your your fingers in the shape of a pyramid, if you start crossing and you go into an X. Yep. That person that you find that leads into the X. That 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 point is now opening up into another V, and you're at the right. bottom of a V, and now there's a huge ocean of information from that point. Yeah, but you have to cross over at that one point. Yeah, boom. I got you. Yeah, yeah. You heard it here first. Pretty crazy, huh? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm in a very small boat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm screaming on an empty beach. <laughs> because it's been yeah it's been shut down to due to covid <laughs> due to covid <laughs> all right um i f i found this uh interesting yeah. news article about okay. a, uh, a a a speaker company that makes that makes speakers out of fruit okay wow <laughs> <laughs> 
One thing you probably didn't expect to hear today. Coming speakers from this speaker out of fruit. <laughs> made of a bottle gourd. Its fruit is the size of a basketball. And now the gourd is being harnessed as speakers. It produces superb sound quality with a depth that enhances the music. Takahashi Akira, the president of a car stereo company, came up with the idea after learning that gourds have been used as musical instruments around the world. Gourds have the characteristic of amplifying sound. And that would be a good uh, isolation. Gourds have the ability of amplifying sound. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, they're biodegradable. Why not? You know. Well, they're they're not biodegradable because the oh no the the fruit itself is a giant fruit and, and okay. the, it becomes super hard as a shell. Oh yeah, but it still breaks down. It's oh, it's not like plastic. Of course, no. yes, that's yeah. exactly that. That's what I mean. That's yeah. all. Uh, not yeah. that it's going to break as soon as you buy. I get you. No, 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 no. Yeah, <laughs> not so, at all. So they drill holes into these giant basketball-sized fruits, put yeah. speakers into them. And then put them on tables and, and things like that. So the oh, wow. ambiance of your room is now totally changed by these fruits that have been redesigned as speakers. That's awesome. I, and I mean, I, that, I imagine it's cheaper too for uh, materials. Oh, yeah. It's free. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, that's a way to change your supply chains from China to Japan. Right. You know, get rid um, of the plastic factories and go to the yeah. farm. What are gourds? I mean, growing up, everybody had gourds. Like, take them. Like, I don't want them, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, awesome. That's great. I never would have thought of that. And it makes sense, though, because, I mean, also growing up in music class, there, you know, when we talked about, like, the origins of music, we did talk about instruments made of gourds. Yep. Everybody knows about gourds, loves gourds, but, you know, repurposing them into uh, products that people can enjoy and, and you know promote their their shop or whatever through the use of fruits it's kind of cool could that be the title of this one gourd love yes gourd <laughs> love <laughs> gourd, gourd love. love and lateral information flows <laughs> <laughs> i was thinking about calling it the new bormal the new bormal okay that's good too though i like that <laughs> <laughs> all right uh anything else for today tom uh, actually, um, just, uh, keep supporting our, uh, our, our musical venues. If you're in this area, um, I know maybe we'll talk about this a little bit later uh, at greater length, but, um, uh, some venues like, uh, what the Dickens are selling their drink tickets as a way for people to support them. You can buy them, I think online, uh, that would be a great way. Like, uh, Heart of Chiba is another one. Um, Support them on uh, bands on social media if you can. At least give them more views, more likes. And um, as always, uh, we're actually in the third week of decline of cases. So it looks like there might even be a chance that we'll start opening the country up much earlier than we thought. So uh, just keep staying healthy, keep being positive, and uh, thank you for listening. All right. Always go to the podcast, MatthewPMBigelow.com. Drive up some traffic there. We have new art every week. I keep wanting to mention that earlier in the podcast, but I always forget. We come overprepared with a lack of insight. <laughs> Indeed. Stay safe.
I always wear my mask and wash my hands after going home. All right. <laughs>